name's Rob, and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with the belief that each one of us really does want to be fully known and fully loved. Today, in part one of a two-part series, I share a conversation with a good friend of mine, Justin Sheehan. Growing up, Justin battled with tough family issues, alcoholism, drug abuse, unhealthy relationships, and even flirted with death on several occasions. In his late teens, he was severely beaten by a gang of guys that left him in critical shape in the hospital. Have you ever needed a second chance or fresh start in life, but didn't know how or if that opportunity would ever come along? Have you ever lost hope during a season of life and didn't know who or what to believe in, who or what to trust? Listen to my friend Justin Sheehan as he shares his open, honest, encouraging story and discover for yourself. This is Real Friends. So I'm here today with my friend Justin. Justin, how you doing? Good. Good. So um, how long have you and I been friends and how and where, how did our friendship come about? Do you remember? Uh, I was it probably six years, five, six, okay. six-ish, something like that, probably through a uh, small group. Okay. That you host. Okay. And so you and I, it's uh, we do a couple of different things together. We're it's, uh, we're part of a small group. Uh, we're also part of a, a men's group together. So um, we've got that going on. Um, so the way I like to start this podcast out, so I like to find out what everybody's love language is. So um, in order to do that, it's I, the hooks that I use are based on a book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. Uh-huh. And those five hooks are physical affection, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, and acts of service. So if you're ready, I'd like to go and j- jump right into it. Let's find out what your love languages are. I'm going to ask you about each one of them. You let me know how they resonate with you, whether it's, you feel like that's really one of your love languages or not. So let's start out, first of all, with physical affection. How important is that to you? And what's it look like these days? Uh, I th- yeah, I think it's important for sure. I mean, um, I, would move, I would imagine you're talking about a remote or romantic relationship. Well, you know, I was thinking about the fact that um, actually you were thinking about getting a pet. I was even going to say, like, how important is physical affection, even when it comes to stuff like having a pet, just in terms of um, obviously this is geared predominantly towards relationship, but even like pets. I mean, pets are extremely important to people. So how important is physical affection to you across the board yeah i think it's i think it's it's important for all humans uh you know touch is a big deal you know like uh i could imagine a life where you know uh there was no like like covid person what do you think about losing your senses okay you lose the sense of sight and there's people that can't see and they have to go their whole life without seeing uh, and their other senses kind of uh, fill in yep. to an extent, yep. but they still don't have that sight, that that, that uh, ability. Same thing with hearing and whatnot. But I, you know, I could imagine not being able to touch or feel. You know, yeah. that you know that would be a, a huge thing. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know how your other senses could really recoup that. You know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, how do you think the importance of physical affection, how do you think that that's changed or morphed over time? Like from when you were young, like I say in your uh, adolescent years, your teen years, to like how you are now as an adult? Yeah, you know, uh, 
So as a kid, I'd, I'd, uh, I'm not going to say my mom never kissed me, you know, she, she did, you know, when I was real young, I guess my dad did too, but there wasn't a whole lot of physical, uh, you know, physical uh, love shown, you know, as yeah. far as, you know, uh, but there was a lot of other stuff that went on that, uh, you know, made that really not possible, you know, little detours of life. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And I hope to uh, get into that a little bit later in our, our conversation. But yeah. um, if I were going to ask you to nominate somebody to be in the Huggers Hall of Fame, who would that be? Oh, the Huggers Hall of Fame? Who's um, the best hugger you know? They just uh, give great, warm, loving, embracing, no I, kidding hugs. I just got done hanging out with my friend Victoria. Mm -hmm. uh, she's one of the better huggers. Yeah. You know, than I've ever, yeah, she's, I mean, uh, it just seemed long, heartfelt, you know, like, you know, uh, like there's a, some emotion there. There's something behind that, you know, where it's not just, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, I don't know. I, most of my life, I don't think I really was too big into physical touch and hugging and stuff like that or anything like that, but that's too tough of me, you know, whatever. I'm just wasn't into that stuff now, you know, it, it's 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 nice. It's nice. Yeah. To, to so when do you think that changed? When do you think you became more receptive to like hugs, physical touch, stuff like that? Uh, who knows? I mean, I, I'd say probably maybe the most in the last five or ten years, probably. Yeah. You know, I've been more in tune. With you think it. it's just a matter of time itself? You growing up and maturing, or do you think it's to be correlated to something that happened in your life? No, I was just uh, I was just talking with some friends about that this morning about uh, the things that uh, humans and and in general uh, what our main struggles are in life or whatever. Uh, one of them is emotional connection, yeah. emotional uh, emotional health or or whatever. Um, and I would have, uh, you know, I would have never thought I struggled in that area at all. Because I'm strong, I'm a man, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, that's yep. not even an issue, you know. Um, turns out I do. I, you know, I do. <laughs> I do struggle with that, you know. It's, uh, but, uh, but I've only really become aware of it, like yeah. I said, probably the past five or ten years. You know, it's become, becoming more and more aware, you know. I was thinking about this too, is like, you know, uh, the difference between men and women, I think, you know, women uh, have a stronghold, I think, a lot in the emotional maturity, emotional strength uh, avenue, you know, when you see, and I'm not saying all women are like this, I'm not saying, but this is very general, but uh, when you see women uh, build each other up, you know, uh, they support each other and they, they come together and they, you know, they do women's events and women's nights and women's, you know, whatever they get. And they just go out and they celebrate themselves, you know, whatever. It's like men, we don't do that. And, you know, nor do most of us even think we even need that. Like, you know, it's like, you know, we sit in front of a TV and watch football, right? Absolutely. That's, that's called male bonding. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, uh, so there's there's not a lot of encouragement or you know whatever that 
that's I think that's where you get your emotional health. You know, you just need. I think all humans really need that. I think it starts as a little bitty kid. You know, when you're when you're young, and that's you know, if you don't get that, then yep, amen. Yep. You know, you need it more and more as you get older. There's a lot of things I believe that the roots of a lot of things, for better or for worse, start when we're kids, and the uh, just how we're raised as kids. Yeah, uh, we'll pick up from our moms and dads. So, um, so the second love language is quality time. How important is quality time to you, and what's that look like? That's definitely my A number one right there. Okay. What's it look like? Um, I don't know. Like I said, I you know, I always look at quality versus quantity. Like I'm not one of those people who need to be with someone all the time, every day, you know, or, or every day or all day or, you know, yeah. even too, you know, too much time is too much for me. Like I can't, I can only stand so much time with some one person, but I just want to know when I am with you or her or a person or whatever uh i just want to know that we're there you know like you know the whole especially nowadays you know the texting and you know playing on your phone and answering phone calls stuff like while you're hanging up if there's only two people you know uh you know especially you and a woman you know uh, i just feel like that's uh that's a big deal you know for so me, is texting do you consider that to be quality time no, okay. not at all, not at all. So what does quality time look like to you? Uh, in person? Yeah, I think in, in person, face-to-face is really where the where the, mm-hmm. where the the meat of it is, you know. Uh, I'm not opposed to phone calls, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, phone conversations are, are good, too. I mean... What's, uh, a, what's a phone call these days? Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, I was like, I was just talking about like dating. Like it seems, it seems so weird. Like when you're like a little kid, when you're when you're younger, you know, it's like, and of course we had the phone with the cord and right. you know everything. Yeah. I, I know it's kind of show made, but uh, you had to get up the courage. Like no. you got a girl's phone number. No. You you got up the courage to ask her for a phone number. She actually gave it to you. It was actually the right number. Yeah. You know, there's all those little things. And then, like, you get up the courage to call her. And then, like, and then you don't know what to say. You kind of stumble through some words. And then and then it kind of, like, there's interest there on both sides. And, you know, and then it kind of flows. And it, it just feels good, you know. And then you get to talk to them. And then, you know, it's almost like, it's just like talking to a friend. You know, it really is. But now, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, uh uh, the, the world is a different place now. I, I think uh, it, it's uh, it's become a barrier, you know. So in what way? Barrier in what way? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are just more comfortable at the safety level yeah. of just the texting. Yeah, texting like, I don't, yeah. I don't know you or don't if I want to know you well enough to talk on the phone yet. So we can text for a couple weeks and see how that goes. And it's like there's no there's no real connection there, and there's also you know, a lot of things that can be misconstrued and mistook and, yep. you know, uh, you're basing your opinion off what they say, you know, but you don't get the emotion behind it. You don't get to see their eyes. You don't get to hear their tone of voice. There's all the other things, which I think, uh, make up for real communication, you know, that you, you lose out on and you're really only focused on the words. And, and I've heard, uh, the words are like, like or uh, communication is 97 I think 90 I think that's what I heard 97% nonverbal so 
Like the words make mm-hmm. up such a small piece. Yeah. Right. And with text, Body language, it's the only thing you have to work with. Yeah. You know? Right. So um, I find, like, I love my group texts for, like, my running group, my uh, youth group, and my quarter life group. I find those to be extremely handy in those cases. And then texting is handy when it comes time to, like, convey information. Yeah. Okay. You know, we're going to meet such and such. But when it, like, what you say, when it comes time to conduct a, a serious t- conversation, I don't see how people do that over text. I know people try to. Yeah. I just, that doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's quality time. Quality time's my favorite. That's my yep. one yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, the third love language is called words of affirmation or encouragement. Mm-hmm. So how important is it to be affirmed, encouraged, or acknowledged for the things that you do? And how important is it to hear those three simple words, I love you? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the, 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 as far as the three words, you know, I just, I haven't said it and I haven't heard it much in mm-hmm. my life, which is, uh, which is a whole thing. Or when, you know, when I do hear it or, you know, whatever it's, it's friends. Oh, I love you. You know, I mean, it's it's like I know the love's there, but it's it's not the same as like a, a relationship. Like I'm in love with you, like mm-hmm. or whatever. That it's a different kind of love. So yeah. it yeah. it's like it loses some of the salt because it's not the. I can throw that one words out there too, but uh, as far as uh, words of affirmation, like I think it goes back to like the emotional. Health, man. I think I think people. I think we all need that. We need people to build each other up. We need people to build us up. We need people to say, "I know you're going through a tough time, but you're going to get through this. You always do. You know, uh, I know you. I love you. Or I've, I've seen you do this before. Like, just you know, it's just encouraged. Like, you know, or if there's anything I can do to help, or you know, or hey, you're doing a great job. I just want you to know that I know. You know that I've seen what you're doing and it's it, you're doing great and uh, I think that's so important especially if you, if you you know want good leaders in life and good leaders in, in the world you know that that's where that stuff comes from yeah. you know I mean, enough of the whole pull you up by your bulls book uh, what your uh, books <laughs> bookstraps what is it bootstraps bootstraps okay you know, <laughs> uh, you know and I'm just gonna do it you know pick one of my bootstraps or you know whatever it's like that that might have been a good attitude in the 60s or the 70s or you know but I mean you know I think humans have evolved now we do we do we need yeah. we need one another we need a relationship yeah. right yeah um, so when's what's the last time that somebody's paid you like a really genuine compliment or words of encouragement that really resonated with you and stuck with you can you remember what that was uh, well I mean so I've landed a really good job. I think that's uh, one of the things I really like. You know, my boss and just the people there are very, very encouraging. I mean, it's, 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 I was just telling you before we started that, you know, my boss gave us this book, uh, Emotional Intelligence, and is encouraging us all to read it. And we kind of, oh, I think that's set awesome. up a meeting once yeah. a week. Yeah. And we all get that's together good. and we talk about the chapter that we just read yeah. in the Emotional Intelligence book, which is like, that's so, out there for me I mean it's like I've never experienced anything like that that's really cool you know and then uh, uh, like I said uh, you know 
some of the meetings that I go to and, and whatnot, you know, I, I do, I get some encouragement there too. And, you know, uh, does it really resonate with you? Do you feel like it's genuine and authentic when you get that encouragement? I don't feel like I get enough. Yeah. I mean, I could use more, but yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky balance too. Cause you know, uh, if you get too much, you can get a big head, you know, and if you don't get enough, you can, you know, um, you know, beat up on yourself yeah. and feel like you're not good enough. I mean, so there's a healthy mix there too. I mean, so uh, you just have to have people in your life that know you and uh, know when you need it and when you don't. Yeah. You know, and can and uh, can discern those moments and and you know, uh, you know, they're just conscious of where you're at and and, and they can give it to you when you need it and. It can also put you in your place a little bit when your head gets a little, yeah, a little too right. big. You know, I mean, we I think we all need people in our lives like that too. I think as a result of COVID, I've grown to have a much greater appreciation for words of encouragement, um, and it, it's just dawned on me that it really doesn't have to take that much time or effort to pay attention and notice something that's you know genuinely. Um, admirable in somebody and then to just share that with them it's really just very little overhead involved with doing that just have to make the time to do it and then have the courage to share that with them Um, I recently shot a wedding for a couple Um, it was an outdoor wedding at Tower Grove Park and the weather outside was hot uh, warm muggy and I could tell that the bride was uncomfortable, actually miserable. She had like this uh-huh. homemade fan. She's trying to fan herself. Yeah. And I, I sensed the anxiety that the, the bride and groom were having. And so I I raced through the wedding pictures kind of quicker than I, I thought I should have. Uh-huh. And at the end of it, I thought I'd totally blown it. I thought I'd totally missed getting the shots that she wanted. And so I provided the pictures to the bride and groom the next day. And instead of them sending me a text or an email, they sent me a two-minute video clip. Yeah. And the, the bride just absolutely gushed with how much she liked the, the, the wedding photos. And I tell you what, it's that brought tears of like joy and appreciation to my eyes, just seeing how genuinely, authentically happy she was with the, the, the wedding picture. So yeah. um, when it's real and when it's timely and when it's authentic i mean that can be you know just go straight to straight to my heart and i feel like it's we also have an opportunity to do that with other people if we just try to be a little bit more intentional about it yeah so i'm trying to get better at that yeah that's on my bucket list Uh um so the fourth love language is acts of service how important are acts of service to you and how could somebody serve you well during your current season of life? What would that look like? Uh, I think in terms of a relationship, I think it's less important. But uh, but else, I, I don't think it's not important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always good to know that you're a team and that both people are contributing and putting in effort. I mean, I, I think... Uh, that, that can be that can that can definitely lead to a lot of problems down the road in, in relationships you know like you know both people have to know they're putting in some effort I mean nobody wants to feel one-sided you know that's uh, and I think that that breaks up a lot of relationships I think you know a lot of people feel like 
they're doing their part and you know the other person is just along for the ride and you don't you know i mean it may or may not be true but nobody likes to feel that way and yep. to feel like if both people are consciously putting in the effort uh um, you know, to serve each other in some way, especially if you know, if you take your time and you really get to know each other, and you know what they need is just like being conscious of when somebody needs words of encouragement. It's like, you know, you should take time and really get to know that person uh, for who they are, and then when they need you to serve them, you know, out of love, you do that. You know, you're, you're you. you step up and you do it and then and that means the world to, to people I think you know but uh, if you're not all there you're just in it for yourself and I think that's that's yeah most of my relationships in my life have been that way I've been mostly in it for myself and you know so this is this has been something that I've I've really had to focus on but um, yeah you know uh, I just I just don't think it works that way you know yeah it, it's a this is a selfless part of the this is probably the most selfless love language you know the acts of service is you know uh, how are you at serving uh, how important is it for you to express your love by serving people not just people it could be serving your church serving your community serving your employer my life depends on it it really does I mean I'm not the best server you know none of us are but I can tell you this, that uh, uh, when my life is consumed with me and all about me and what I need and what I, what I want and trying to get what I would get what I want or, you know, this and that, it's like life is hard. It's heavy. Everything's more difficult. Uh, when I can put myself, and they put they say they say put yourself third, right? God, others, and then yourself. Yep. But when I can put myself to the side, if I serve somebody else, or serve a church, or serve a person, or serve you know, if I'm if I'm putting my thoughts or my efforts into into do, being helpful or useful to somebody besides besides myself, I feel like, and I've felt this for many many years, that it's like. When I'm consumed with self, God is completely blocked off and can do nothing for me. When I step outside that and I do something for somebody else, whether I whether I mean it, whether I intend to, whether I want to, my motives really doesn't even matter. If I'm helping somebody else, it like God, it takes that, it gives God like a small window to that He can actually reach in and produce some kind of change within me. Yeah. And I will change by serving other people. There's something within me that will change. Yep. Amen. And, and that's been my experience. So you have been very good this past year, even during the COVID year, when it come, came time to serve either at Hope House or Bridge of Hope. You were always one of the guys that I could rely on if I was like spur of the moment, trying to get some volunteers to go down there and do stuff. Um, you were always somebody that I could rely on. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Um, okay, so the last love language is gifts how important are gifts to you um are you more of a gift card type person or do you like to put a lot of time into figuring out what you're going to give somebody as a gift and what's the best gift that you've both given and received uh let's say in the past couple of years this is the least important to me okay i mean 
hate to say this. Maybe I don't know. Maybe my heart's cold, or <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. But like, hate's a strong word. That's I always tell my uh, youth kids. Hate's a strong word. Also, like cards mean nothing to me. They, I mean, like they go right in the trash. They're now, like one step under text, huh? Well, now that being said, I have a handful of maybe five, maybe you know, give or take a couple in my drawer that I have kept and held on to that meant something. Like there was something about what they said or there was pictures in there or there was some, you know, a, a memory, a moment or, you know, uh, there was, but 99.9% of them really like, thank you. Is there cash inside? Yeah. No. Okay. Trash. You know, like, I don't know. Maybe that's my deal. But, uh, and as far as gifts, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I guess if it's a really heartfelt, good, but I mean, like I said, I, I, I really struggle with my emotional health. So, I mean, or emotional maturity or strength or emotional, uh, whatever, um, intelligence or whatever it is. Uh, so I'm not a super emotional guy. So, yeah. I mean, like, um, I, I would much rather spend the day with somebody I, I like and enjoy being around. I would much rather do that than get a Rolex watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or or whatever, you know. Um, you know. Yeah, I don't want somebody to give me a, a gift out of a sense of duty or obligation. Um, the the most meaningful like gifts to me, like in particular like, with my kids are just the little small messages that they write inside the card that are really it's they're much more heartfelt than the message on the card itself the message on the card is fine but it's the two or three lines that they'll write that are personalized that's that's what really resonates with me and in terms of like you and I are probably similar in terms of we're at the stage season of life that if we really want something we probably go out and buy it yep. and it's difficult like me for example with photography I know exactly what type of photographic equipment and stuff that I want. And so it's it, it would be challenging for someone to get me something that I haven't already picked out for myself. Not yeah. impossible. So for me, it's the little small personalized things. If, if I were going to get a gift, like my daughter, for example, for Christmas, gave me a collage of uh, my granddaughter. And it's just the cutest, sweetest little thing. It's great. I have it sitting out the house. So yeah. um, those type of gifts are, are nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so those, that's the, the five love languages. What I'd like to do now, I'd like to go ahead and jump in. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you and who you are right now during your current season of life. How would you define who Justin is? Would you describe your current season of life as thriving exactly where you want to be? Thriving but still have a, a lot more you want to accomplish? Or maybe somewhere in between? Maybe you're not thriving at all. Yeah. So weird. Um, say like clay, you know. I mean, like I'm being molded into something. Not sure really what that, you know, whatever. But um, you know, I'm I'm in a good place in life. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I've uh, landed a good job, and uh, you know, I really enjoy and uh, um, 
we'll get to work with some good positive people and uh, you know that's a big deal to me is you know it's more important than the money or anything else it's just uh being able to like i said uh you know i feel like work is like a big deal for men you know like as far as their self uh self-worth and you know self-esteem yeah Yeah. all that stuff you know uh, identity i guess you know uh you know we our work is is kind of part of our identity you know should it be um you know uh yeah i think i think somewhat it, it should i mean uh i think there's a difference between uh so you know of course we know pride's terrible you know but uh but i think it depends too on what we're prideful about i mean if we're taking pride in the gifts god gave us you know, um, like, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, as far as what I do for a living, you know, not where I work because what I do, because what I do, I feel like I could do anywhere for anyone because it's, it's a gift that I have. Like I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything to get it. This is how God made me. And this is what I'm orchestrated to do. So maybe you should, um, just for the, the listeners, share what it is that you currently do for a living and how old you are. Okay, yeah. I was going to keep that other, that second part bigger. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, I'm, uh, I do sales, uh, sales or estimating, whatever. Um, I'm 42. I've been doing sales since 2008. So. 13 years? Was that a 13 years? Yep. 13, 14 years? Something yep. like that, you know. Um, and I've struggled with work my whole life, you know. I, I, I just never seemed like I fit, never was making enough money, never was happy doing what I was doing. It was always like just a job. It was, you know, I mean, went through so many jobs and, you know, just uh, it's always just been a very difficult part of my life watching other people land good paying jobs and just seemed like they walk up and it's like, here, take this job, and it's like making all this money, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, here I am trying my butt off to do this or do that and go wherever I think I'm supposed to go, and and uh, it was all kind of a self thing, trying to trying to trying to trying to figure, manage my own life into happiness or whatever, which never works. Uh, so how do you know you've landed the right job? I don't know because it's easy. Cause I don't have to work at it. It's like, this is, I mean, and I don't want to, I don't want to say like easy, like, Oh, you know, but, but I'm like, this is something that I think comes natural to me. And I think like, you know, I've done a lot of things. There's people that work on cars and it's just their deal. They can yep. go out there yep. and need to rebuild a motor. And they're like, Oh, don't worry about it. I'll have it done by this afternoon. You know, it's, and they love doing that. They love going in there, figuring it out. You know, what electric, you're an engineer. There's, super smart engineer people out there that say, you know, I know how to make that work. You know, I can do that, you know. Uh, You know, you just got to find where you fit, you know. Uh, And uh, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, if, you know, if if it is a job and you feel like you have to work at it every day, you know, whatever, I just think that, that, you know, it's a big part of, like, the uh, men and, how they feel about themselves and their self-respect, self-confidence, uh, and uh, just just 
doing something that, that you want to do. So, so work related, I, I feel like I'm at a good spot. Do I think uh, I'm going to be doing what I'm doing for who I'm doing it for forever? I don't know. Probably, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I'm open to what, whatever God's got for me. Uh, but uh, for now, I don't feel like anxious, like I need to be looking to do something else. And, you know, that's a good place to be. I feel comfortable where I'm at. Uh, personal life, not at all where I, you know, would have thought it, you know, what I thought I, where I thought I would be, you know. Uh, Tell me more. Well, you know, I mean, I think I, I assumed it would just work out like everybody else, where you just get married, you have kids, and you have a family, and you kind of, you know, do the thing, and then you're on vacations and you retire, you know, whatever. And I'm 42 and I've been married, no kids. It's just, you know, love life just has never, it's just never really, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I really want to say work, but it's never been, uh, uh, for a long time, it really hasn't been a priority in my life, you know. I focused more on, I was distracted by other things like work and trying to figure, work out my, that part of my life, you know. Uh, finances and then spiritual life and you know it's just like uh, all these things have to come in at the right time I feel like you know um, right now I'm in a place where I'm trying not to focus on that <coughs> you know I'd rather focus on uh, uh, being comfortable where I'm at that's where I'm, that's where I'm trying to be today. Like you know, and if God puts someone there or some if something works out in that way, awesome, cool, you know. Uh, but I'd like to be at a place where I'm all right with or without it, you know. And that's kind of where I'm. That's where my focus is on now. But like, I, man, I really want to have kids. You know, I really want to have a family. I really do. I that's that's uh that's something I really want in my life. But uh, it just hasn't panned out, and so dealing with uh, with life not really playing out the way you want it to. You know, I'm not God, so. So, tell me about what, what the dating is like in 2021. Uh, your guess is good as mine. <laughs> I haven't figured Aren't it out. there like a plethora of different tools out there to help you find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right just uh, by swiping left or swiping right? Isn't it that, just that easy? I, I guess. I guess I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I ain't gonna say that I haven't met good people on dating sites because I have. You know, uh, I've, I've, I've definitely met some 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 good women, and I've even uh, had a couple of good relationships. You know, off there. Uh, What's the longest relationship that you've had? Dating relationship. Oh, ouch. Uh, you know, uh, actual relationship, probably a little over six months. Okay. I've dated a girl on and off for about a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, it was never meant to be. I tried to end it and she didn't want it, want it to end. And then uh, I tried to end it again. She didn't want it to end. And then, and then she tried to end it. <laughs> so I said, okay, it's probably good. Maybe it's not supposed to work, you know. But I knew it wasn't going to work long, long before that. Yeah. 
So let's take a step back from where you currently are and let's start at the beginning. Um, because the beginning, for better or for worse, forms the foundation for the rest of most people's life. So tell me about your childhood and your years of uh, youth. What are your earliest memories as a child growing up? Were they good memories, bad memories, somewhere in between? And what did you want to be growing up? Uh, yeah. Earliest memories, I guess. Uh, like I said, I re this is funny, but I, you know, I can remember like my first house, or it wasn't our first house, first house I really remember. I was less than six, but we had a teeter-totter in the backyard, <laughs> and I had no brothers and sisters. So I <laughs> throw the time, and, oh, you know, no. so I'd be out there right on the teeter-totter <laughs> trying to play by myself <laughs> on the teeter-totter. So it was like, that is like the image of kind of how I remember my childhood. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just kind of like, uh, and don't get me wrong, because I, I don't want to make it out like my parents didn't love me, because I know they both did. Yeah. But they were just, you know, different periods of life, different, just different, different stages of their life, and they were kind of doing their own thing and trying to figure out life their own way too. But I felt very unattached and very kind of out there on my own and kind of good luck kid, figure it out, you know, don't mess up too bad, or you know, and uh, you know, I just I, I feel like I went through a, a large portion of my life like that where you know. No real good direction, no real good guidance in, in life. And even when uh, people tried to guide me from time to time, I don't think I could have listened even if I wanted to, mm. you know. Uh, I was Why just, because eh, I, was, I was so self-reliant. I was so, so used to uh, having to figure things out for myself. I could not, I couldn't, I mean. I Did you feel just, like you could trust your parents at that age or trust adults at that age or not? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I don't think I could trust anybody. Yeah. I just felt like it was kind of, it was just like me and them, you know. I remember having a conscious thought, like, I don't want to get into too deep philosophical, but I, I remember thinking, like, of God. Like, that there was a God, he was all-powerful, he was out there. But somehow, some way, in all the mix of all the people in the world, he accidentally placed me in like a parallel universe where I didn't fit. Yeah. And one day he's going to remember me, and he's going to place me where I'm supposed to be, and everything will work out, and I'll and I'll everything will look like everything will be just fit, you know. Yeah. But until then, I just have to do the best I can to get by yeah. until you know he. Right. Struggle uh, through the grind, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God See, what, a, what a way to live life, man. Yeah. You know? So that's a great observation. What was your picture of God growing up? Not necessarily your picture of God now, but at that age, as a youth, what was your picture of God? That was that was really my only picture of God. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, my grandma took me to Catholic church when, when I was really young, and uh, my mom, uh, she tried to take me to Baptist church whenever I was young. Of course, in Baptist, <laughs> don't anybody take offense to this, but this is just my perception here. Everybody was 200 years old, and you know it was old hymns, and uh, you know, and I was like four, and my mom made me dress up in a nice suit and tie and these nice shoes, and I hated it. I felt uncomfortable. 
Uh, I kept passing out, sleeping in the pews during service. And, you know, I was just like, uh, I got to do this again. Like, I had no conception of, uh, you know, not that they didn't teach me Bible stuff, but, I mean, heck, they might as well have just been teaching me good stories or good fables or good morals or, yeah. you know, whatever. But I had no conception of who Jesus was or God or, or, or what any of this was about other than I have to go here and I have to do this and this sucks and I have to wear this. And, you know, and then even, like I said, when I went to Catholic church, you know, I just remember this experience, uh, you know, when we were, me and my cousins were there, my cousins, one of them was older and one of them was younger, but, uh, I guess, uh, their mom, I guess, had them go through all the Catholic stuff that they're supposed to go through. I, I don't know a whole lot about that stuff, but I remember it was time to go up and take communion. My cousins got up to go take communion. I got up and they said, no, you can't go. I said, well, why not? And they said, because you haven't, I, I don't know, done your first communion or done your, mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever the, whatever the class is or whatever the thing you were supposed to do was. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, sitting there as a kid, little kid, thinking Jesus's blood, Jesus's body is only available to people who take a class. Yeah. Something don't fit there. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was I was too smart for my own good, I yeah. think, even as a little kid. Interesting observation. That yeah. just didn't yeah. fit. It was like, I don't know. That I'm calling bullshit there. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so early childhood, um, family. What was your family life like? Parents? Do you have any brothers and sisters? Or are you? An I have a sister. Okay. She's six years younger. What are your siblings like? Was it a solid family life? Divorce or somewhere in between? Uh, divorce. Uh, you know, uh, my uh, alcoholism runs rampant in my in my in my uh, lineage. I think I feel like uh, you know. So there was a lot of alcoholism and and. Uh, you know, uh, yelling and screaming, just fights, and, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure it wasn't all like that, but these are the things that stand out in my head, you know, and, and so, uh, of course, we did have dinners, you know, together, uh, but it was so uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable, you know. Uh, I never really felt like really emotionally bonded with any of my family you know um, it just wasn't taught that or brought that you know uh, I don't think and then so uh, you know you have uh, one side of the family who's like the alcoholism and, and anger and aggression and fear from everybody and then you know the other side trying to protect me from that side you know um, and then there's me trying to figure out how is this supposed to work, you know, whatever. But, but it was, it was family life is what I knew and what, you know, whatever. So even, you know, divorce felt weird, you know, it was like, you know, it just, that didn't sit right with me either. Even at the, I, I want to say I was maybe like 14 or something like that. Maybe when, when my parents got divorced, when my parents got divorced. and even though it was a toxic, <clears throat> terrible, terrible situation. And it was over probably a long time before that, you know. Did your parents fight a lot in front of you? Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it was. It was it, How more, do you feel like their relationship impacted you while you're growing up? 
I mean, Today it impacts me, I think, more for the better. I mean, I think it, it could have set me off on a road of this is what I this is what I know. This is this is how you treat your significant other. This is how you live life. This is how you work, and when you come home, this is how you act. You know, I could have taken that tact. However, uh, God has placed some wonderful people and uh, in my life that you know at some point. Uh, it has kind of changed the trajectory of my life. And today, you know, like, that's part of the reason why I want to have kids, kind of the reason why I want to have, you know, I, I want to carry, like, so the alcoholic in my life was my dad. Uh, of course, I turned out to be an alcoholic, too. And uh, so I followed, followed, followed suit. Uh, but, you know, my dad's been sober over 13 years. Uh, you know, I've been sober over 21 years. Congratulations. So, yeah. uh, so you got that going. But so, like, this one thing of me kind of getting sober has, you know, a ripple effect and has changed the trajectory of my entire family. So, like, my dad's sober now. My, my mom, my on family like holidays. My mom, my dad get together. My my mom's got a boyfriend she's had for a hundred years. You know. And uh, so, but we all get together together, you know, and we all get along and, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, there's no hostility and no, you know, yeah. uh, residual stuff really. Uh, so, like, like I said, I feel like I've kind of changed, like what's happened with me has changed the trajectory of my family, but I, I don't want to stop just there. I want to start a new legacy for my family. I want to want to be able to raise kids differently than the way I was raised. I want to be able to start something new, you know, in a healthy atmosphere, you know, uh, without all the stuff that, that you know, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I, that I've struggled with. Me and you have talked about and I've struggled with it. You know, maybe, maybe God doesn't want you to be, have kids or maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that's not your, your thing. And like, Maybe, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I've let go of that. You know, it's still, it's still there. So, so let's talk yeah. about the. You say trajectory. Let's talk about the trajectory of your life. Um, your teenager. What were your teenage years like? Well, I was out of control. How so? Off the chain. I had drugs, drugs and alcohol and uh, everything. I just did what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, on my terms. I got in a lot of fights and. Uh, got in a lot of trouble. Uh, so how do you think you got into that sort of lifestyle? Uh, I think I was destined to it. I mean, really. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I always think of like of being an alcoholic. Like, I feel like since a little bitty kid, I was an alcoholic who never had a drink. <laughs> that's all I was waiting for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know I was alcoholic because I never drank. Yeah. Then once I had to drink and I had that effect, that feeling that only an alcoholic gets, that sense of ease and comfort, that, uh, that you know, that, you know, everything fits all of a sudden. And nothing, like my whole life is chaos. Everything's chaos and my head's nuts and I have no idea, you know, whatever, but I take this drink and this warm feeling goes down in me 
and now I'm all right and everything feels just okay. You know, like that's all I needed. You know, what? who wouldn't sign up to that? You know, how could you not want more of that? You know, it, that's not a, that's a logical thing. Anybody who, you know, if your head's nuts and you take this and all of a sudden your head is quiet, you know, and you know, who wouldn't do that? So, you know, off in left field I went, you know. Uh, so, like I said, I think I was destined to do that, but uh, just because I, now, I used to know a guy who used to say, if bowling gave me that sense of ease and comfort, I'd be a bowlaholic. <laughs> you know, you'd be seeing me bowling on like yeah. seven days a week. You know what I mean? When they yeah. open, when they close, and, you know, unfortunately that didn't do it for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bowling didn't do it, you know. Working on cars didn't do it, uh, you know. Having a job didn't do it, you know. All the all the healthy things that people do in life, you know, didn't do it. You know, this one thing did. So why why wouldn't yeah. I? So know? did alcohol and drugs fill the void in your life? I think uh, I, I ultimately no. I mean no. They just they leave you just as empty as you you know, if not more. When when you're done. Uh, but it does give you that that momentary relief, you know. Temporary like, escape. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's all I needed. That's all I wanted. You know, I I never I never had uh, I don't think um, aspirations of one day everything's going to be perfect. You know, I was cool, set, satisfied, settling for tonight. I'm going to be obliterated, and I'm going to be all right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that was. You know, we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. You know. So how did that change for you, that that mindset from just kind of going from one evening of temporary escape, temporary relief, to the next evening of temporary? When did you finally get to the point where you realized that, you know what, there's got to be something bigger than this. There has to be something better than this. Or did you? How, when did you hit rock bottom? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think there was any kind of realization there. It was, uh, I was, uh, I was at my mom's house where I was living at the time. I was probably 19 and I was smoking a joint with a friend. Uh, and my best friend called me up one day and said, Hey man, what are you doing? I said, I'm smoking a joint. What are you doing? He said, I just got out of treatment and I'm going to a meeting. And, uh, and I said, can I go too? I don't mm. even know why I said it. Mm. It's like the words came yeah. out on their own. I didn't, I didn't mean to say it. I didn't even want to say it. Had you been thinking about that before? <laughs> Not even a little bit. Wow. Not even a wow. little bit. It was just to, well, so his dad had been sober for period of time a long period of time and uh so i knew him and his dad you know for four or five years whatever and his dad was just always always an awesome example uh, just just a good yeah, guy man good. and you know he used to tell his son stay away from that justin kid man he's trouble at least that's what my friend would tell me that yeah. his dad told him yeah but on the same token he would take his son to church sometimes, mm-hmm. and he would call. He would go, "Hey, why don't you call Justin see if he wants to go with us?" Mm-hmm. Which, uh, you know, and I would go because I was being invited, and nobody invited me anywhere ever, mm-hmm. <laughs> other yeah. than my friends that were doing what I was doing. So 
it was just you know I I don't you know I don't know that I was necessarily seeking God, but it was just it was it was like really he invited like I you know part of it might have even been like well cool I'll get on his good side and then you know then I'll stay off my butt you know or whatever. You know you make a point there that I, I don't want to gloss over too quickly, and to me that's the power of an invitation. And that's the opportunity that we all have. Um, whether it's inviting somebody out for like coffee, inviting somebody to church, it's amazing how powerful a simple invitation can be when you invite somebody to do something. Like that. And then the potential it has to plant a seed that can then later be not only life altering, but more importantly, eternity altering. But it's not just about the invitation. It's about how we live. That's what that's what was impressive. Because when my buddy said, hey, I'm going, I thought, well, he's going to go get his stuff together like his old man, you know, and I'm still going to be in and out of hospitals and out of jail and, you know, doing what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, my ego, I couldn't, I couldn't stand to see one of my friends doing better than me. Uh, but, mm, wow, yeah. but like I said, like, you know, his, his dad had an impression on me because of the way he lived, because of the way he treated me, because the way, you know, when we, you know, he never scolded me or never came to me and said, you stay away from my son because you're trouble. He never said that. He, he said, Hey, uh, you know, I'm barbecuing this afternoon. Uh, me and Josh are going to barbecue. Uh, why don't you come over and join us? You know, That's like awesome. it was just, yeah. it was just how he That's lived. Awesome. And, uh, so, well, think about that. What are the implications then for us? Well, people are watching. Amen. I believe that. Amen. People are watching yeah. whether you realize it or not, yeah. whether you want yeah. to admit it or not, whether you like it or not. Yeah. People are watching. And, you know, I think especially when you announce yourself as anything. Yeah, right. Anything. Yep. And it doesn't matter if it's as a Christian or if it's as a Democrat or Republican yep. or nope, a black person, right. a white person, a man, a woman. You are a representative of something, whether yeah. you like it or not. And whatever you, how you act or how you act in public or how you treat people or whatever, you know, people, it, it's, it, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. People are going right. to look at that and go, them people, Yeah. you know what I mean, are like that. Yeah. And so, good point. Uh, and I'm not always the best example, but that's something that I focus on because I try to be the best example mm-hmm. as I can be. And I'm not perfect, you know. Like I said, I, I was telling you about uh, a while ago. You know, I got a little road rage <laughs> incident with uh, with a guy, and <laughs> you know, I <laughs> uh, was really ignorant. You know, uh, this is kind of a funny story. You should share it. It's, it's humbling, no doubt, but yes, yeah. you should share this. So, I got cut off. I got cut off in traffic, and it was really ignorant the way I was cut off. I mean, yeah. it was it was like they almost ran me off the road. Yeah. And guess what? People make mistakes. Amen. Yep. But I didn't take it that way. I was not in that space. Right. And uh, I got angry. Went up. Was like threw my hands up. Like what the heck? And then. It looked like they just kind of blew me off, and I did. Uh, that was like icing on the cake. So, jumped up in front of them uh, in my truck, slowed down. You know, uh, was you know really kind of being ignorant. Like, okay, and then 
we made a left at this light, and then he followed me, and I'm like, all right, cool, we're going to do this. Like, I'm, like, amped up. I'm, like, good to go. Yeah. And then we get to where I was supposed to get off, so I went ahead and got in the turn lane to get off, and he kind of kept going straight. So I pulled up next to him because I'm not one person to just let things go. I mean, we can't just stop there. Let's 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 bring this to the conclusion. Yeah. Pull up to him, roll down my window, and he rolled down the window. And of course, he was uh, a guy from my church. He was my old uh, softball coach at church. He yeah. was uh, made me feel about a uh, centimeter big, and uh, it changed my what I probably would have said, you know. But I was like, hey, man, you almost ran me off the road. And uh, I think he said something like, uh, you know, I didn't see you or something like that. I'm like, well, dude, you almost killed me. And then he said something along the lines of, uh, I think you need to go back to your church. So he knew what church you had. He, oh, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was calling you out on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you, man, it, oh, my Like God. a knife straight to the heart. Oh, God. It was it was the <laughs> worst. <laughs> the worst. Oh, oh, so as soon as I got to my place, I was going to grab lunch, and I had his number, so I'm like, I texted him, and then I was looking for his email, and I'm like, emailing him, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, this that. he's not responding, and I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible, oh, you know. Uh, anyway, he, he did finally get the message, and he responded, and, you know, he forgave me, and he, you know, he did what, you know, like, that's what we do in the church, man, we forgive, man, and uh, I was very, very humbled by that, and... Uh, you know, uh, it, it could have been way worse. And, it, you know, it, it, God was involved. But so as I say, it's like, I'm not always, I'm not always, you know, the picture of, of, uh, None of, us are. of, of, None of us. what I should be. But I, and I was just talking with a friend about this the other day. I said, like, this is what I told him. I said, look, man, I don't do the, I don't do this thing, this life thing. I don't do it perfect. But I'll tell you what I do do is I own when I, when I mess up, I own it. Yeah. I try yeah. to make amends. And I try to move on. Yeah. And that's, I think sometimes that's the best we can do in life. Yeah. As human beings. That's the yeah. best, best we can do sometimes. So two points. One, you probably should have sent that guy a card. That would have fixed everything. Oh. And looping back to the, the gift. whole card. Right, a gift. Right, yes. A gift, man. That would have been the best gift you could have given if you had sent him a card. And then second of all, so I want to kind of close the loop in terms of your in your latter teens, you're wrestling, struggling with alcoholism, and um, you got the invitation. Let's go ahead and continue now with the invitation. Yeah, so uh, so he said, his response to me was, well, I'll tell you where it is, but I'm not going to come get you. I'm like, what? What a, what a jerk. <laughs> For lack of a better term, I'm like, all right, fine, you know, whatever. It's like... The guy I was sitting in my house smoking joint with, or sitting in my mom's house smoking joint with, I kicked him out. Said, "Hey man, you gotta go. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to a meeting. Or you know, whatever." He's like, "Really? What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man." And it was just, it was like one of those spontaneous things. It was like, because I was a spontaneous person anyway, yeah. so I just like, if I thought something, I did something. You know, whatever. But yeah. so I was like, I had to go, so I was going. And I remember on my way, I was crossing over the bridge into into St. Charles uh, from St. Louis. And uh, I remember there was like a big semi, and I was in the fast lane, and the semi was in the the next to the fast lane. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I should just jerk the wheel in front of the semi and just end it. Like, uh, you know, and I had like 
hold on to the steering wheel like with some grip, you know, to kind of not do that because I kind of wanted to. Had you ever thought like that before? Yeah, yeah, I've been mm. suicidal before. Yeah, yeah, I've had a couple, couple mm-hmm. bouts. I mean, generally I wasn't, but I had a couple yeah. bouts where life, life just got tough. But, yeah. uh, but so I made it to where I was supposed to go, and and uh, you know, I mean, I could talk about my. I'm not going to be too specific because it is an anonymous organization. But uh, you know, uh, in the end, it was it was. It was exactly where I need to be, and you know, doesn't mean that life changed that day, you know, or anything. I mean, I still fought like hell, you know, to uh, do things my way, and you know, but I had to blot out all that stuff too, you know. And I feel like sometimes, you know, uh, the best way to figure out your way don't work is to do it till you can't do it no more. And that's the definition of insanity. Well, I don't, I don't always necessarily think that. I mean, I think like, uh, it'd be nice if somebody could say, Hey, this is a better way. And you just go, Oh, okay. You know, and then just did that. Uh, that's never really been my reality. I, you know, I, if I think something, I'm like, I'm sure you're probably right, but I know what I know. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I'm just keep doing things my way and keep bash my head up against the wall and then when I finally surrender I'm like okay well maybe I'll do it that their way and then it works and then I'm like ah okay you know but I, I feel like I get it at a deeper level that way yeah whereas if I was just to change my mind and go do it I don't think it would be as you know I don't think I would have gotten it at that deep level that it's necessary for me to change you know yeah, yeah. Um, so help me understand something it's um, when you give your testimony you say the the organization that you're going through is anonymous. Do they not want you to acknowledge that you go to a group like that when you're sharing your testimony? No, no, it's just, uh, it, it's the same principle where, you know, I think, uh, you know, as soon as you say you're a part of something, you know, you are now a representative, you know what I mean? So uh, right. it's like, you know, you know, I'm still an alcoholic. I don't think that I'm not anymore. You know, if I go say, hey, I did this, you know, even though that works really well, mm-hmm. if I did drink, you know, there could be people out there that go, that don't work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's unfair because it's just me being a bad example of that organization. Gotcha. It's not a reflection of the organization itself. Gotcha. Same thing with Christianity mm-hmm. or same thing with anything else. That's why I do have respect for, you know, their traditions and, you know, uh, so so you just don't want to be labeled as a, a member of that group, anonymous group. Not, public, you're... not publicly. Okay. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Publicly. Okay. Yeah. Um, what would you want to be labeled as? Let's say let's. I was going to kind of say this. I still want to go ahead and continue with your story in terms of how you got to where you are now. But in terms of, let's go ahead and jump to right now for a minute and say, what do you want to be labeled as or known as? Um, in terms of when people say, hey, Justin is such and such, that's the the label that you're representing. A human freaking being. Okay. Okay. Yeah, flesh and blood. <clears throat> human okay. being. All the same fears and anxieties and anger and struggles and of every other human being. I don't think, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm a Christ follower. I think... Uh, a lot of people have 
um, preconceived notions, well, stereotypes, impressions upon like, oh, you're one of those do-gooders or whatever. It's like you know, no, I'm the same as you. I got the same stuff. I got the same problems, same yeah. same struggles, same all the same stuff as you. You know, I'm not any different. You know, the difference is, uh, you know. I guess I buy into the idea that, uh, that, that, that that there is a God and that he's working in my life and that, uh, that my purpose is greater than what's going on right now and, you know, and whatever I'm going through or struggling with doesn't define me and, you know, it doesn't make me uh, better than or worse than anybody else. It uh, just makes, just means that I'm dealing with it differently than they are, you know, uh, you know. Not necessarily even better or worse, but, it, you know, certainly I think different, you know. I just, uh, uh, my approach to life, my approach to my outlook on life, and my outlook on on the way things are is, is different, and, and uh, yeah, I'm grateful for it, you know. I mean, uh, I, I, would, I would hate to go back to a life thinking that I was it, yeah. you know. Yeah. That it's on me. Everything's on me. If if it, if I can't do it, it can't be done. You know that. You know, um, you know, it's everything's in my power. I I have. It's all up to me. And the people that you know, I think the people that tell me about you know that kind of stuff or that kind of way of life. And I was there. I mean, I I used to live it, so I, I get it. You know, you know, they're not all doing so hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, you know. And I, again, it's not a better than or worse thing. Thing is, like me on my own, I'm not doing so hot either, you know. And if it wasn't for uh, you know this power working in my life, you know, God uh, doing for me what I can't do for myself, you know. Uh, like I said I, it's just like the job thing, man. I I wasn't looking to, you know, I I, I kind of fell into what I do. And I love it, you know what I mean? But I didn't fall into it by accident. I fell into it because I was led there. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, I mean, I know that. Part one of my episode with Justin Sheehan ends here. We'll pick back up with the conclusion of Justin's story in two weeks on the next episode of Real Friends. To all our listeners in Pondville, thank you for being loyal listeners. I appreciate each and every one of you. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. I look forward to sharing more real-life stories with each one of you in the future. This has been an episode of 